Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I know you're probably wondering, you know, how we have been getting such illustrious sponsors like Baxter Blue and um, Away Travel. It's through Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Uh, That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O podgo.co and be sure to add thinking outside the boombox in the how did you hear about podgo section of the application let's start the show What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, April 18th. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. I am excited to be here uh, with my wife and guest co-hosts for the next two weeks. Karen, say hello. Hello, hello. Um, You already know what it is if you've been listening. uh, The Back in the Day Tournament, Volume 2. Um, is nearing an end, um, including this episode, just two episodes left before we have a champion. Um, So we're going to be talking about that in the Dig Deeper segment this week. Um, This is the Elite Eight round. Only eight albums remain. Um, At the end of this episode, we will have four uh, final contenders for the title. In the next week, we will make our final decisions. Um... The song of the week and the press play segment, as you know, um, you can find all of that in the podcast newsletter um, for the tournament. Um, going to be keeping all of that into the newsletter and not doing it on the actual podcast. If you go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com, you can put your email address in the box on the homepage and you'll get the podcast newsletter emailed to you um, whenever there's an episode. Or you can go to the newsletter tab. Uh, and all of the podcast newsletters are there. So there you can find all the links to any new music videos, performances, songs um, that I think you should check out this week or any other announcements in the hip-hop and R&B genres. Uh, so without any further ado, let's jump right into the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome to the Dig Deeper segment. As I mentioned, uh, this is the Elite Eight round of the Back in the Day Tournament Volume 2. Today, we will crown division winners in the Boys to Men division, which is full of Grammy winners. Fighting it out for the title will be Black Messiah by D'Angelo, the one seed facing off against 
Lemonade by Beyonce, the three seed. In the Legacy division, which was full of Grammy nominees, uh, we have the one seed Control by SZA fighting the seven seed Anti by Rihanna. Um, over in the Fan Love Conference, we've got the Diary of Alicia Keys division. Uh, the one seed Trilogy by The Weeknd facing off against the eight seed Four by Beyonce. And in the final division, the Confessions division, we have the three seed The 2020 Experience by Justin Timberlake fighting off against the four seed Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet. Karen, uh, we've got eight albums left. Are there any albums remaining that you are surprised to see here or any albums um, that you thought would get here that are no longer here? Um, hmm. I think that just because of my own personal taste, I am surprised to see Trilogy here, but mm. it's, it's sales numbers and achievements speak for themselves. Um, I am pretty surprised that Channel Orange is not here. Interesting. Um, and... We know we we paid our respects last week to um, a seat at the table. Oh, don't remind me. I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just goes to show what an incredible decade the last one was for R&B music. Um, there are going to be some more painful choices as we continue to whittle this down to the best of the best of this past 10 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I forgot to mention this on the episode last week, um, some statistics about the 16 albums we had left, but five of the 16 albums were from 2016, um, probably one of the the best years we had for R&B and music in general um, in a long time. Uh, What else? Half of the albums were led by women, both Beyonce, Frank Ocean, and The Weeknd had two albums represented in the Sweet 16. There were three debut albums. Um, now, here in the Elite Eight, Beyonce is the only one with two albums uh, remaining. The Weeknd still has one album in it, but both of Frank Ocean's uh, uh, submissions here were eliminated in the last round. Um, sorry to you, Frank. Shout out to you. You make great work. We love it. Yeah, come see uh, us again next decade. We'd love <laughs> to see it. Please, please um, do your best to release an album in the next nine years. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, but yeah, um, I, I feel pretty pretty good about the submissions we have. I'm, you know, I, I, I see the numbers for the 2020 experience, but I guess, you know, without looking at the matchups, if you had told me, that it was here, I think I'd be a little surprised. Same for Beyonce's four. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most of the other ones, it's like, okay, this makes sense. I understand why you're here. Um, and we'll see which ones can hang on. Uh, both Beyonce's four and Rihanna's anti, super underdogs, like an eight seed for Beyonce's four, a seven seed for Rihanna's anti, both had to make it into the tournament via play-in game. And now here they are in the Elite Eight um, with both, I think, having a good chance of making it to the Final Four. Um, they've got some tough matchups against them, but I think, you know, you know, I don't think it's, it's a short shot either way. Um, and then, of course, you know, you've got Beyonce's uh, Lemonade. Um, I would say we both figured... You know, even though it was the three seed in its division, we both kind of felt it was the unofficial one seed of the entire tournament. Yes. The one that we we thought would probably take it all. Um, and I don't think I don't think it's a walk in the park. Bless you. Thank you. Remaining. Um, I do think it has maybe one, maybe two um, tough rounds ahead of it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um I'm interested. I'm interested to see what what albums can actually make it to that final four round. So let's get started. We're gonna start and try and crown a division winner for the boys to men division. The one seed Black Messiah by D'Angelo released 
December 15th, 2014, facing off against the three seed Lemonade by Beyonce, released April 23rd, 2016. Five categories to decide the winner, success, achievements, quality, cohesion, and legacy. Best of three wins. Let's start with success. The Black Messiah has sold at least 157,000 units, while Lemonade has sold at least 3 million. So Lemonade takes a 1-0 lead. Moving into achievements, Black Messiah is two of three uh, at the Grammys, winning, uh, what is it, Best R&B Song for Really Love and also won the Grammy for Best R&B Album that year, while Lemonade is one of four at the Grammys, only winning uh, a Best Progressive R&B Album. Uh, So Black Messiah takes the lead there. Uh, Billboard... Higher ranking and longevity for Lemonade uh, on all three charts, the Billboard 200, the top R&B chart, and the top R&B and hip-hop chart. So Lemonade kind of ties it there. And then when we go into the records and the miscellaneous achievements, none for Black Messiah. Um, Lemonade, however, has three platinum records, was the most streamed album in a week on title by a female artist. Uh, Beyonce also became the first artist to have first six projects debut at number one on Billboard 200 and the first female artist to have more than 12 songs chart at the same time on the Hot 100. Those are some impressive accolades. Lemonade takes a 2-0 lead heading into the quality category. Uh, I'll let you start things off here. What... What do you think is the better quality album here between Black Messiah and Lemonade? I think I would give this one to Lemonade, but only because it's more my style. Um, the Black Messiah is definitely more jazz-influenced, and that shows in the vocal performance. It's sort of like improvisational and, um, I don't want to say more ram- like uh, rambling, or like, hmm. but it's, it's less direct. Maybe ethereal is the word I'm looking for. Anyway, okay. this is Beyonce at the top of her game, uh, sort of doing the R&B sound that I grew up with, specifically with her through bands like Destiny's Child in the 90s and early 2000s. So um, just because of my own style preferences, I would say that Lemonade is the better album quality-wise. But I'm interested to hear what you think. That's interesting because I, um, I really don't feel like I hear much of those like Destiny's Child c- kind of sound in Lemonade at all. Like I feel like what what she really brought here was just so different from everything she's done in the past, and that's mainly because of you know the different styles of music that we've talked about that she kind of um, performs here you know she's got a country song with daddy lesson she's got a rock song kind of with a don't hurt yourself Mm -hmm. um i think jack white is on plays the guitar on that song she's got a reggae like song with hold up um but you know i I have to kind of stay consistent here with the way i've been picking this quality category and so i gave this one to black messiah just because of the r&b of it all um and i'm you know I think that while Black Messiah does also take some influence from rock and funk and other genres, I feel like there's like a soulful R&B aspect that kind of shines through it all. Um, And so I personally just thought it was a better R&B album, putting emphasis on the R&B part uh, than Lemonade is, Um, which is, you know, the same way I voted for uh, Channel Orange versus Lemonade. Um, I think there might have been one other. So I wanted to stay consistent there. so I gave it to to Black Messiah. Okay. Um, could you elaborate more on the the Destiny's Child part you were talking about? Well, no, I, I recognize that this is very different than like the writing on the wall. That's mm-hmm. super super clear. But I think that the bones of the song structures, like the the sort of traditional song structures that you can follow from beginning to end, mm-hmm. are are sort of what speaks to me. Whereas every song on the black messiah kind of it's a it's a winding path it's not Mm -hmm. such a like circle that comes back to the beginning at the end got you got you and like i i appreciate that beyonce like took the foundation of 
the music that we've known and loved for her over the years and sort of evolved the style so that it does feel very new and very fresh uh, and not like, certainly not like anything we had heard from her before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, okay, so you have Lemonade uh, moving on 3-0. I have Lemonade up 2-1. As we go into Cohesion, uh, what are your thoughts there? I actually gave this to Black Messiah for basically the same reason that you gave quality Black Messiah. I think from from start to finish, it is an R&B album. Um, and of course, there are other influences that come through. But um, as you just pointed out, Beyonce does experiment with other styles here. Um, and like at different speeds throughout the album different sort of like emotional tenors that can cause a little bit of of discohesion and as a as a person who has a tendency to praise Beyonce no matter what (laughs) I will admit here that Lemonade is not a perfect album like say more I don't actually think Sam Castles is a good song like Mm. it's this the music is beautiful Uh uh-huh her vocal performance is gorgeous. Right. The lyrics sound like something she wrote down on the back of a napkin. Oh, got you, got you. It's like it's there's nothing clever about it at all. Yeah, I I don't want to get too deep into the saying not 100% perfect things about Beyonce <laughs> territory here, but I do think that writing sometimes can be maybe the the most consistent flaw of her music like she's always gonna like out sing anybody like that's that's set in stone um she has incredible production because she's beyonce and that's that's just gonna happen um but yeah the writing aspect sometimes it's just like man this sounds real basic but you singing it so nicely that i like it but like like i could have written this like and that's just that's like that's a fact (laughs) like we could we could have come up with these lyrics so i I get you there um okay that's very interesting i didn't expect you to um vote black messiah for cohesion i gave cohesion to lemonade um obviously i've been saying i think in order to beat lemonade in this tournament um you probably need to take two out of the first three categories success achievement uh quality um because i think cohesion and legacy are going to be very hard to beat um i think the story that she tells the way that she tells that story uh especially through the music um and how um how clear that story is throughout the album um is one of the reasons why it's lemonade for me i mean d'angelo took me on a funky soulful journey from start to finish um, but personally, I think there's one, maybe two albums, and that's a big maybe that can even have a conversation with Lemonade on Cohesion. Um, so we both have Lemonade moving on 3-1 here. You just, um, you gave Black Messiah Cohesion. I gave Black Messiah Quality. So Lemonade is the Boys to Men Division Champion moving on to the Final Four, uh, upsetting the one seed black messiah i do want to um kind of play black messiah off here an incredible album i think if if any of you all listening haven't really spent some time with black messiah and i mean by spend some time i mean like listen to it more than once like spend some real time with it um because i feel like on first listen um the lyrics may escape you like on first listen listen the music is what stays, you know, is most prominent. Um, and it's beautiful music. D'Angelo is a great singer. And, you know, the jazzy things that Karen mentioned um, kind of really lend themselves to a just a sonically pleasing album that, you know, just has a lot from an influence standpoint. But if you, you know, give it some more listens and you hear the lyrics of what he's saying, especially songs like, um, a thousand deaths, I think is the name of it. Yeah. Um, and what's the song? Uh, Charade. Mm. Um, just some some lyrically powerful songs. 
and combined with like the great musical performances it's just a great album um 15 years out of the game um he came back and delivered i don't i don't know i'm gonna say is this his best album is black messiah better than brown sugar oh definitely his most cohesive album yeah yeah i'm just like man he gave us some good stuff on brown sugar either way um yeah his most cohesive album his most important album certainly um shout out to him for being able to come back from those personal issues to keep making music he um introduced himself to a lot of people who probably didn't know d'angelo like we barely shouldn't have known d'angelo to be honest um if it like brown sugar was i mean it wasn't that old but like it could have easily just stayed in our our parents generation i think um but yeah so shout out to black messiah d'angelo is you know he just had his verses like maybe a month ago um he's mentioned that he's working on an album so he's gonna add more to that legacy um that's good i I feel like the main thing that i regret here is that we missed i don't know if he toured for black messiah but i would have loved to see him perform this live that's a good question. I don't I don't know if he toured either. I have to look that up. Um yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm at the point um as far as concerts and tours go where it's like, man, I really want to see like not necessarily all of the artists that may be the most energetic and the ones that would give me like the best like show show like, you know, like going to a Travis Scott concert where it's like <laughs> it's just a party, right, you know, but right. it's it's fun. Um, but like it's like man I I feel like there's some bucket list artists where it's like if you do a tour I don't even care if I don't like the album that you put out and you know I want to go see it like uh, Alicia Keys for instance I've never seen Alicia Keys live but she's one of my favorite she she was at um, wasn't she at the Magnificent Coloring Day Alicia? I thought so damn I don't remember if I do but I guess I was thinking I was thinking more of like a headlining oh, sure, like show sure. type of thing. But dang, I don't even remember her. I remember John Legend was there. But um, yeah, I um, you know, I want to see artists like that live take in you know their solo shows and see you know what type of story they tell through their music because you know those headlining solo shows are you know opportunities for artists to really. Um, kind of like give us something different like tell the story of their albums in a more visual uh impactful way I, that's you know what i really like about concerts is like the theater of it all um like out on top of hearing the music but i like seeing how they represent and visualize their albums at concerts so um yeah if d'angelo ever tours again i think we'll definitely make sure to to go go see him in concert yeah um, That's definitely more my speed concert-wise <laughs> anyway. Just as a five-foot-two person, I'm less likely to get trampled at a D'Angelo show than I am at a Travis Scott show. Yeah, I think your Travis Scott concert days might be over. Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Thank you to D'Angelo and the Vanguard and the Black Messiah eliminated uh, by Lemonade here. Oh, I did want to mention... Um, at least the albums uh, that Black Messiah uh, beat to get here, um, because that is important. Uh, so Black Messiah eliminated her by her and eliminated Beauty Behind the Madness by The Weeknd. Uh, the Lemonade uh, defeated Black Radio by Robert Glasper and Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. And now Black Messiah by D'Angelo. That's yeah. <laughs> three great albums that she took out. Lemonade took out right off the bat. So let's move on. The Lettucey Division. This is full of Grammy nominees. Didn't necessarily um, get a win, or if they did have a win, they ranked lower than the ones in the uh, in the Boys to Men Division. We have the One Seed Control by SZA, which was released. Uh, June 9th, 2017, facing off against the seven seed Anti by Rihanna, released January 28th, 2016. Uh, Control by SZA eliminated 
uh, who did Control eliminate? Control eliminated uh, Blood by Leanne Mahavis, uh, Ego Death by the Internet to get here, whereas Anti uh, defeated Self-Titled by Beyonce, uh, Self-Titled by Ella May, and Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino. Um, this is a big matchup. Yeah. Um, a lot of similarities with these two albums. You know, I already mentioned last week that what what better than two albums that were just uh, unconsciously uh, disrespected at the Grammys, going zero and four um, for for their nominated categories uh, to represent the Grammy nominee division. Um, so let's jump into it. Success. Control sold at least 2 million units. Anti sold at least 3 million units. Anti takes a 1-0 lead. Um, achievements. As I mentioned at the Grammys, both albums are 0 for 4. Uh, they both lost in the best progressive R&B album category. Control went 0 for 3 uh, in best R&B song for Supermodel, best R&B performance for The Weeknd, and best rap sung performance for Love Galore. Anti went 0 for 3 uh, in record of the year for work, best R&B performance for Needed Me, and best R&B song for Kiss It Better. It's a tie game. Billboard. Anti's staying power is insane. Um, 241 weeks on Billboard, 200, 237 on the R&B, and 112 on the hip-hop and R&B, and number one on all three charts while Control uh, ranked 3, 1, and 2 on the same chart, so Anti takes the lead. Records and achievements, Control has 5 platinum records and 7 gold records. Um, Anti has 7 platinum records, 2 greater than 5 times platinum. Work is 8 times platinum. Needed Me is 7 times platinum. Uh, Plus, Rihanna was the most streamed female artist of 2016. And Anti was the longest charting album by a black female in Billboard history. And I looked into this. It still is. It is still on the Billboard 200 charts. It is currently at 263 weeks and counting, um, which is insane. Like, it's been charting since it was released. Um, she's got a long way to go, I think, to become the the longest charting album by a female in billboard history i'm pretty sure adele holds that mm. uh at like 500 and something weeks for um uh 21. 21 yeah um so i i don't know i mean i could see anti <laughs> charting for another you know four years but i can't necessarily see 21 also falling off the list so i don't know that's it's a war of attrition there probably yeah. Um, so I think Anti uh, takes a 2-0 lead here. I think those achievements um, that Rihanna tacked on at the end kind of outweigh the fact that SZA has 12 records off of one album, 12 uh, certified records off of one album. So 2-0 lead by Anti going into the quality category. Um, I'll start things off here. I think these are both two incredible albums. Um, I think they have a lot in common. Uh, I will say that Control being SZA's debut album, being in the conversation with Rihanna's eighth album, really says something. And that's an achievement in itself that like we can compare these two albums and it's actually a tough decision to say which one is better. Um, I think Control is strongest in the first half of the album, whereas I think Anti is strongest in the bottom half of the album. Now, I know that work is in that top half. But I think from a performance standpoint, um, some of Beyonce's, uh, Beyonce, some of uh, Rihanna's um, best vocal performances um, in the songs that I really, really like are in that bottom half. I love Love on the Brain. I love Higher. I love Close to You. Um, and I think the like woo and desperado aspects in the first half, I think kind of like, I don't know. I, I like the bottom half um, a lot better. Uh, I think SZA's performances on Control seem more effortless, while Rihanna's performances seem more passionate. And I do think Rihanna does some of the best singing of her career on this album. Uh, Control is more modern, leans into alternative R&B, while Anti relies a lot more on older musical influences and also leans a little bit more pop. 
Um, they're both albums with titles that are four capital letters. Um, there's so much to like about both of these albums, but at the end of the day, I'm going to choose the one that I love the most, that I keep coming back to, that has songs that will forever, forever stay in the playlist, that I keep close to home, and that's Anti. So for me, Anti uh, moves on 3-0. What are your thoughts? I did not realize that you felt that way about the back half of Anti. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't, I don't feel the same way. I've always thought that, and I'm just looking at the the regular version of the album, not the deluxe version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodnight Gotham always felt like a bizarre way to end the album. I think that's the de- that's a deluxe song. Oh, is it? Yeah, is the it? album ends on Close to You. Got it. Even that is just like, ugh. Like, I love that song. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, then I won't trash it. I mean, do what you gotta do. I don't no, care. I- <laughs> you trash it, it's not gonna stop me loving it. <laughs> I think there are better, like, soft piano-driven Rihanna mm. songs. And I think that it's ground that she's tread before. Mm. Um, so anyway, um, I gave this to Control. Um, I, do, I do think it's interesting that the two albums sort of deal with the same emotional territory. With, mm-hmm. like, who's who has the power in a relationship and, like relationship turmoil but Rihanna's definitely feels more like the 30 something version while Scissors feels like the 20 something version yeah definitely. but I do think that in that uh maybe emotional immaturity of Scissors 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 album there's like a more interesting nuance to explore and I think that she does that throughout the whole album mm-hmm. um I also think she's a better singer than Rihanna. Okay. Um, and sorry if this makes uh, multiple fandoms descend on your podcast, <laughs> social media pages. Um, but yeah, like the and this is Rihanna's best vocal vocal performance ever. For sure. By a mile. And yeah, she I would still say is not as good of a singer as SZA is on her debut project. I would say the next the next closest is probably unapologetic. For me, I feel like she does a lot of really good singing on that one. Is that the one with um, it's a Stay? Stay, yeah, yeah. Diamonds off of that. And, yeah. Which is what I think of when I think of like an ideal piano-driven reality. Yeah, song. yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I like both of them. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's sort of the, the emotional nuance of the, the songwriting and the vocal performance tilted it in Scissor's favor for me, but obviously these are both incredible albums. Okay. So you have uh, anti-leading 2-1. I have anti-moving on 3-0. Cohesion. Um, At this stage, I feel like I'm really nitpicking, um, but I think Control is slightly more cohesive. Um, I think songs like Same Old Mistakes and Woo on anti slightly alter the cohesion of the album slightly, very slightly. Um, I can still see why they were included and like what they add, but, um, you know, I've mentioned control plays like an album meant to be listened to in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the flow is well paced. It's consistent musically, the detail that she adds with her, her mother's, um, and I think her grandmother at one point, uh, interludes placed throughout the album are really well thought out. Um, it really feels more like a story told by SZA in musical form. Uh, so I gave cohesion to control. Yeah, I did too. Um, I I think having lived through the golden age of interludes in R&B and rap albums, mm. I give kudos to anyone who can have an album driven and divided up by interludes that contribute to the album rather than taking away. Yeah. Okay. So you have it tied two to two. I have anti-leading three one. As we go into legacy, uh, I want to hear your thoughts first. What do you think about the legacy of these two albums? I think that anti is one of our biggest R and B stars at the top of her game, and I think the the sort of mic drop of this incredible album and then dead silence for Rihanna <laughs> will make this a dynamic high point in her career, at least until we see the next project. For sure. Um, I think SZA has, has a lot of 
of options as to where she could go next from control just because it didn't really it was a it was a sort of complete project on its own it didn't lend itself to a serialization mm. in the way that Janelle Monet's album ha- albums have uh, panned out of course um, so I I think just because Rihanna's overall legacy as an artist is greater I feel more comfortable saying that anti would take a legacy conversation what okay do you think? uh yeah I agree um for control's sake, I do think the weekend alone became an anthem for so many. Um, but this is, you know, also the only studio album we received from SZA. It's already considered a classic. I think it lifted her into the conversation of like, okay, she's one of the voices that we need to listen to um, in R and B. She became an, an idol um, in a way for so many girls and women. Um, it's an album where at least the casual fan of R&B or even music has heard some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does have uh, an important legacy. But for Anti, um, I think it's the last album you know we've received from Rihanna in five years. It's her best piece of work. It's her most focused album. Um, she brought R&B to the pop mainstream with her stardom and popularity and the success of this album, putting R&B at the forefront. Um, she brought dance hall back into the mainstream with the success of work. She introduced Tame Impala to new audiences. I didn't really know who they were until I was like, oh, this is a cover. Oh, let me look into that. <laughs> and Tame Impala got some, they got some bangers. Um, SZA's upcoming album, I think, is likely to be a similar sound and style to Control, at least off of the two songs we've heard already with Hit Different and A Good Day, I think. Yeah. Um while Anti had a much bigger impact and her next album is already rumored to be more reggae-centric. So who knows if we'll ever get anything like Anti ever again. Um, so I gave it the legacy win as well. 3-2 um, for you, 4-1 for me. Anti moves on and is the Legacy Division winner. Um, shout out to Control by SZA. Um, another one seed uh, bites the dust. Anti on an incredible run, the seven seed making it to the final four. It will face Lemonade in the final four conference championship, uh, the critics' choice conference round, uh, conference championship round, Lemonade versus Anti. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. Um, Just from what I think I know about some of the numbers. It's like, all right, that that one might be close. We'll see. Um, So we're going to take a quick break, and then we will decide the remaining division winners in the Fan Love Conference. Today's episode is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you'd include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add thinking outside the boombox in the how did you hear about podgo section of the application. Let's get back to the show. All right. Thank you, Karen. It is now time to decide the division winners uh, for the Fan Love Conference. We will start with the Diary of Alicia Keys division. We have the one seed Trilogy by The Weeknd, released November 13th, 2012, facing off against the 8 seed, 4 by Beyonce, uh, released June 24th, 2011. Uh, to get here, Trilogy uh, eliminated Chasing Summer by Sir, Shea Butter Baby by Ari Lennox, uh, 4 eliminated... Um, Saturn by Neo also eliminated, uh, who was it? Electric Lady by Janelle Monet and <sighs> punched her sister Solange a seat at the table right in the face. Wow. <laughs> right in the face. Um, and so here we are. Uh, let's start with success. Trilogy sold at least 3 million units while four has sold at least 1.5 million units. Trilogy takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements. No Grammys for Trilogy, but four won a song Grammy for uh, Best Traditional R&B Performance for Love on Top. Four takes the lead. 
Billboard, this one was close, but four ranked higher and had longer staying power on two out of three of the charts. So I think four extends its lead there. Um, And then records and achievements, we got four platinum songs for Trilogy, three gold and one platinum song for four, but four is also the album that made Beyonce the second female and third artist period to have four albums debut at number one. Uh, It is tied one to one. Quality. Um, I'll let you take this one. Uh, I'll be brief. (laughs) Uh, Beyonce is an excellent singer. That is true. The Weeknd is not. That is also true. Uh, For that reason, I would go with four for quality. Yes, I agree. Um, Vocally, Beyonce definitely sings better than The Weeknd on this album. Trilogy is not really a project for hits, but either way, Four's hits, Run the World, Countdown, Love on Top, Party, End of Time, are bigger and better than Trilogy's. Uh, And obviously, Four is a much more focused, composed, and well-crafted album. I'm giving this to Four. So Four leads two to one. Cohesion. Thoughts? I think we've talked about this several times in in the Trilogy, sorry, in Trilogy's matchups. Yeah. Um, The the melding together of three different projects just didn't lead to a super cohesive final product. Um, Tonally, Four is not Beyonce's most cohesive project, but I do think overall it's fun and upbeat. Um, So I'll I'll give it that for cohesion. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I mean, I love Trilogy, but it's 30 songs. And, like, thematically it's consistent, but, you know, we've been more than clear about the fact that The Weeknd's voice isn't perfect. And 30 songs of The Weeknd's music is a lot. And it can sound one note at times, especially when you get halfway through Thursday, which was the second of the thir- three mixtapes. Um, so, yeah, I think four is more cohesive. Um, and I gave it uh, I gave it that category and it gets the win. Um, and you had your doubts last week that four could beat trilogy. Yeah, I thought um, I wasn't sure what the achievements. I knew trilogy was going to get the um, quality, and I assumed it would get the achievements one, um, which would have brought it down to legacy. And I think that's a it's a different conversation. Um, it always is. It, yeah, I, I it do is. Think it's it's worth pointing out that the weekend being able to burst out onto the scene with Trilogy at a time when streaming still wasn't the behemoth that it is today really says something. Like, most of these were probably actual units sold in a store. Like, actual CDs, right? Um... Like, 20... I I don't think I had a streaming service in 2012 beyond Pandora. Yeah, I guess that's true. Apple Music didn't... Um, didn't start until what, 2015 maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, these probably were Unisol, and I mean, it's probably a bunch of people who wanted to have like a, I mean, people cared about physical copies back then. I cared about physical copies back then. So they probably wanted to have like, you know, a commemorative way to have the three mixtapes that were, you know, at the time his like best project. So yeah, probably were actual units sold and to do... Three million is kind of kind of crazy, although he only sold eighty six in his first week, which is not really a lot. So maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe there was some streaming, some sort of streaming going on there. It's hard to say, but I feel like either way, this this album is really a product of its time period, mm-hmm. and I don't think that we will see too many more artists come onto the scene with a thirty song album <laughs> and have this kind of success. Yeah, and I mean, I I think it also helps that this wasn't just like thirty new songs. Right. Like this was mostly a compilation, but it it was pushed in in this way because it was the first kind of official release from the weekend. You know, not through some like shady website. <laughs> um, okay, so Beyonce's four, um, the upset queen right here knocks out the final one seed remaining there were three one seeds going into this elite eight round black messiah control and trilogy and all three were upset in the elite eight round that's crazy um so uh, beyonce's four will be advancing to the final four and beyonce now has a 50 percent chance of walking away 
um, with a tournament win here. Wow. So that's exciting. Uh, let's jump into the confessions division. Um, we have the three seed, the 2020 experience by Justin Timberlake released March 15th, 2013 facing off against the four seed, uh, dirty computer by Janelle Monet released April 27th, 2018, five year difference in between those two. Uh, let's jump into success. 2020 experience sold at least 3.8 million units. Dirty computer sold at least 54,000 units. Uh, 2020 experience takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements. Uh, Dirty Computer has one Grammy nomination for Album of the Year. 2020 experience is one for one, winning Best R&B Song for Push a Love Girl, so it takes the lead. Uh, it extends its lead when we look at Billboard. It charted higher on all three and had longer staying power. And then when we get to records and achievements, Dirty Computer has two gold songs. Uh, 2020 has two platinum songs, Was had the best sales week of 2013, the largest in five years for male artists, the fastest selling album in iTunes history at the time, and the best album of 2013, according to Billboard. Uh, blowout here, uh, the 2020 experience takes the lead 2-0 as we go into quality. Um, I'll start here. Uh, Crazy Classic Life, Pink, Django Jane. I like that. Make me feel screwed. There are so many amazing songs on Dirty Computer. The production is impeccable as well. I think 2020 is a great album. It's it is really a a spectacle from Justin Timberlake, considering we hadn't had anything from him since Future Sex Love Sounds. Um, But Dirty Computer, I think, is better in so many ways. So quality goes to Dirty Computer for me. Yeah, I gave this to Dirty Computer too, mostly because it's so inventive. Mm-hmm. And even in her already pretty, uh, I would say avant-garde almost for like poppy R&B, the, the lane that she had been in up until now. Mm-hmm. I don't think this sounds like anything else that we have musically uh, from her or otherwise. Uh, so yeah, Dirty Computer gives gets quality for me. Okay, uh, 2-1 in favor of the 2020 experience going into Cohesion. Uh, We've talked about this a lot for Dirty Computer. Um, I think Janelle Monae tells her most complete and focused story in this album, um, and that's especially compared to her first two projects. Mm -hmm. Every song flows neatly into the next, and the, the sound that she crafted really persists throughout thematically the vulnerability the empowerment the confidence is evident from start to finish i give cohesion to dirty computer i i agree yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i think i remember listening to her first studio album especially and thinking like if she just had a little like a little more editing and a little bit more maybe money to to do this well it could be phenomenal and i think this is the expression of what i was envisioning when i first heard that project back then yeah yeah i agree with that um and considering all of those points i'm most interested for her next project whenever that may be because I think she will have the the utmost resources at that point yeah. to to make exactly what she wants to make, similar to Dirty Computer. And I'm wondering, you know, where her her mind will take her with that one. Um, tie game, two to two. Um, right? Yes, yeah. two to two. As we go into Legacy. <laughs> uh, sorry for the listeners. That sound was me just expelling all of the air from my body because this is a very tough conversation a deep soul sigh is what you just heard yes um i'm gonna lay out all the facts here okay um 2020 experience took over an entire year 2013 um it dropped march 2013 and we were still talking about it in december um seven years since his smash classic future sex love sounds arguably probably his best album mm-hmm. um he ask a question uh-huh. would you consider future sex r&b uh it's close but it's 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 like if there's a if there's a scale um r&b on one side and pop on the other uh pop pop wins out um but i would say 
the difference is exactly flipped on 2020 experience where R&B weighs a little more than the pop um, but by the same margin that pop outweighs R&B on Future Sex. Because there's, there's some some serious R&B moments on Future Sex Love Sounds, especially with how he transitions into different songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I would call Future Sex pop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Continue. Um, so yeah, he, he showed that he still has it, um, that he could do it in different ways. He still continues a lot of the trends and momentum from from that album uh from future sex and from that i mean like kind of like the sound that was crafted and also the way that he can turn one song into two um that was one of my favorite parts about future sex i think the second halves of a lot of the songs on future sex are my favorite parts of the album period and i think he kind of found a way to do the exact same thing on 2020 experience um and we know that his albums prior, you know, had not really reached that level. So Future Sex for Justin Timberlake was an incredible point. And then I think uh, the 2020 experience kind of like kind of piggybacks directly off of that point. Now, the question is, did it really reach new heights or was it just kind of, you know, on the same level um, or maybe even a little bit below? Um, Compared to what? To future sex. Oh, okay. Um, I I think its legacy is you know possibly the last great album since Future Sex Love Sounds that we're gonna get. I'm and that's me speaking unto Justin Timberlake's ability to make R and B going forward. Um, you know, as you know, since 2020 experience that since that 2020 experience has ended. Um, that he's become a man of the woods yeah. and he's become a, you know, fucking pop troll God <laughs> here with his can't stop the feeling song. And, you know, I just don't know if R&B is, is what Justin has really been focused on since then. I really don't think so. And even the B-Sides project that he released after the original 2020 experience wasn't excellent i think oh you were, mean part two yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. i think there were maybe two songs from that that i've ever gone back to and the rest was kind of a flop <laughs> just one for me cabaret or bust oh <laughs> <laughs> i just really really like that the drake feature? yeah that's drake oh, okay yeah. yeah the main reason why i listened to that to be honest it's a good drake verse um and it's just a good song i like that song but yeah I didn't, I didn't really like a lot i mean he lost me when like that true blood song was like uh, six minutes or something yeah. i remember that song being way too long I mean, and it was like a modern day monster mash that nobody asked it was, for. It was just, I didn't like it. I didn't like anything about that Ooh. album, but Cabaret. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that, you know, this, this was the peak of Justin Timberlake's popularity and success. So that is, I think that is the sticking point with 2020 Experience's legacy. It's like, this is as popular, you know, let's speak from an R&B lens. Sure. This is as good as it's going to get from Justin Timberlake. Um, Dirty Computer. Three albums in. This is Janelle Monae's best, most important, most impactful album. Um, We've talked about the Prince of it all. This is one of the last albums Prince worked on. And she is one of the artists who idolized Prince the most out of current artists and, you know, emulated Prince the most. Um, It's also an, an album that did him justice in that way you know a lot of people idolize prince but they can't back it up with their music um janelle monet can um it's just as empowering as black messiah or a seat at the table um if not more um considering the the many aspects of representation that uh janelle monet features on dirty computer it's uniquely her um the album's themes of Sex positivity, self-love, black love, all of it resonated throughout the community, continue to. Um, At the end of the day, I think the legacy of Dirty Computer means more to R&B and to music as a whole than 2020 experience. I think if Justin Timberlake had never made Future Sex Love Sounds, then maybe this would be more of a conversation. But I think the fact that we still have Future Sex Love Sounds kind of devalues 2020 experience a little bit now i mean 
we could consider that maybe it shouldn't be compared to Future Sex because of the R&B of it all and the fact that we consider Future Sex pop, but for me, it's still a dirty computer. Yeah, I think the the balance that you talked about earlier with Future Sex just slightly falling onto the pop side of things and 2020 just slightly falling onto the R&B side makes it a natural comparison. And mm. there's sort of subsequent albums with a lot of stylistic similarities true um and in some in, in the stylistic sense i would say that the 2020s experience is a rehash of what he did mm. to incredible effect on on future sex but i don't i don't know that we're going to get anything better than this from yeah. justin timberlake I, I would love I would love better R and B music from Justin Timberlake. Um, I don't think he wants to make that though. No, I don't think he does. But like, I would be in for it if you yeah. wanted to like you know really go R and B. But he's a man of the woods now. Let the woods can have him. If you yeah, if he ever decides to put his cornrows back in. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> and, and dip back into that the is not R&B a qualifier. Like, you do not need to bring the cornrows back to to do the R and B. Justin, don't listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the cornrows in the woods. Bury them. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, I would give legacy to Janelle Monet, and I, I hope that her future albums build on on the what she was able to do with Dirty Computer. Agreed. Janelle Monet advances to the final four um, to get there. Uh, sorry, just Janelle Monet. Uh, Dirty Computer advances to the final four. To get there, it defeated Wild Heart by Miguel, Blonde by Frank Ocean, and now the 2020 Experience by Justin Timberlake. The final four is set. We have the Boys to Men division winner Lemonade by Beyonce facing off against the Lettucey division winner Anti by Rihanna battling it out for the Critics' Choice Conference Championship. And then we have the Diary of Alicia Keys division winner Beyonce's four battling the Confessions division winner Janelle Monet's Dirty Computer, uh, battling for the Fan Love Conference Championship. Um, I feel good about this. Of these four, Beyonce's four is the one that I did not expect to be here. Yeah. Um, but like Lemonade, Anti, Dirty Computer, it's like, yes, those are, I think, definitely three of the premier albums we received in the last decade it makes sense that they're there um it'll be interesting to see if beyonce's four can you know make it to the championship round as that eight seed that would be incredible um to see um i don't know how that's gonna go i i think uh, (laughs) honestly is dirty computer the underdog there I mean, I know four is the eight seed to Dirty Computer's like four seed, but like, I don't know. I like, I feel like Dirty Computer might be the underdog going into that matchup. I think just achievement wise, it might be. Yeah, yeah. All right, we won't give too much away. But we know that the the best R and B album of the twenty twenties twenty tens was made by a woman, so that's. Wow! Yes. Yeah. All four of the final four albums are led by a woman. That is incredible. Um, it was half... It was half when I did the stats for the Sweet 16. So there were 8 out of 16 when we did the Sweet 16. So now we have 4 out of 4. So between the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8, they eliminated all the men. Shout out to that. But I mean, honestly, that makes sense. I, I think in this decade especially, um, women R&B artists... Uh, absolutely made the best and like most prominent r&b music in that period the decade before i think it you you couldn't say the the same that like um the best r&b albums were made by majority women like i feel like in that 2000s year and who knows maybe maybe we'll you know uh talk about this at a later date the 2000s r&b but like you know that was when a lot of the those 90s R&B acts that kind of fell over into the 2000s were making a lot of like big hit records a lot of the like one album wonder artists like Avant um as far as like popularity um I think Avant has a lot of good albums but a lot of people don't think so but you know um I didn't know that was so controversial um but yeah 
Um, that is cool. That is cool. Um, so next week, um, we're going to finish things up. Next week is the, the final episode of the tournament. Um, we're going to talk Lemonade versus Anti and Dirty Computer versus Four. We're going to find a winner and then we are going to directly decide a champion um, from that point. We're going to go directly into that championship conversation. Um, so be prepared, no matter which way it goes, to, to have a championship conversation, whether that be you know any one of those combinations. Um, I'm excited to see who wins. Will Lemonade um <laughs> fulfill the prophecy that we we gave it at the beginning of this tournament or will it be you know one of these underdogs like anti or um four or dirty computer um do you have a dream matchup who would you like to see in the championship i think well i mean and this this can't happen because they're facing each other in the final four round but i think it would have been anti and lemonade mm to my mind, those are the albums that immediately come to mind as like the best that that decade had to offer. Okay, what what about of the one of the matchups that can happen? What would you would you rather like? What would you like to see? What's your what's your dream matchup of? I mean, a Beyonce versus Beyonce. <laughs> matchup and, and I and I gave you that hilarious. question because I knew you would say I, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, Beyonce, Beyonce. Beyonce, Beyonce would be interesting, but I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I also yeah. don't think that would be interesting. No, it would be a, it, it would be, be a like, sweep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Lemonade is so easily, so much easily. Yes, the better album than Four in every single way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's more of our nightmare matchup, I guess. Is, um, <laughs> Beyonce versus it's, Beyonce. It's interesting on the surface, but when you start to think about it for two seconds... It's yeah, like, we'd be like, ooh, Beyonce versus Beyonce. Uh, oh, it's over. The podcast would be over oh, very... all right. Thanks for coming. <laughs> um, I, I do agree with you. I think Lemonade Anti is might be the most interesting matchup remaining in the tournament, which is a, it's a good thing that it's all of the remaining matchups are happening in one episode. Yeah. Um, I think anti-dirty computer would be fun. And I also think lemonade dirty computer would be interesting. Yes. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for that next week. Thank you, Karen, for coming out. Only one more episode before we crown a champion. Um... You have any closing thoughts for the people? You know, it's been really fun. I hope that you haven't uh, just started fast forwarding through my comments because I've been trashing the weekend. I hope you've <laughs> born with me. I think our listeners are better than that, right, guys? <laughs> right. Girls, right? 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 Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, shout out to, to Karen for, for doing this. And you can check out the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TOTB the podcast. Um, go to the website, thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com for more information about everything. Um, yeah, this has been Thinking Outside the Boombox. Excited to crown some conference champions and a tournament champion. Which album will join to pimp a butterfly in the back of the day tournament hall of fame or the rafters? The pantheon. The pantheon. See, this is why I have her on the episode. She's got all the good words. Um, This has been Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. Peace. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.